Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Just love that. Well, good morning, everybody here in Loxahatchee. How are we doing? Awesome. Great to hear. Great to hear. Hey, so if you're new with us, we have new people coming every single week to Community of Hope, even throughout the summer. So if you're new, let me introduce myself. I'm Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome everybody who's streaming with us online. Let's wave to everybody online. We're glad you're here. All of our students who are staying home, we're glad you're staying home, but we're glad you're worshiping with us here together this morning too. Hey, so uh, real quick, before we dive into stuff, I want to remind everybody that today is a communion Sunday, so especially everybody online. You got an email about this earlier in the week. Make sure you grab some bread and some juice. We're going to do communion together at the end of today's service. Hey, so um, isn't it great to have Pastor Dale back in the house? Is that good? Hey, Pastor Dale and Beth. I, I forgot to say Beth in the first service that I remember Beth is the better half of Dale and Beth. <laughs> so so um, it's great to have both of you guys back. And uh, man, I'm so glad you guys got to have an extended break. You deserve it. You deserve it. And we're happy to have you back. We honor our lead pastor here in the room. Amen to that. Hey, and uh, man, I would be totally remiss if we didn't honor Jim for sharing his story with us. Can we honor Jim? Yeah. Love Jim, love Julie, love Corey, I love their entire family. Uh, I, our family has just a privilege of being dear friends uh, with their wonderful family and just watching Jesus come alive in Jim. They were some of our first friends here at Community of Hope, and they as a family just wrapped their arms around me and Leah and only Cade at the time, and now, you know, three kids later, oh my goodness. So um, we just love them and honor them. Now, the reason we showed Jim's video, obviously he was talking about the value of serving and how serving has really grown his faith. It's amazing that different people have different barriers to their faith, and some people, they need something extra to help their faith ignite and come alive. And for Jim, it was service that ignited his faith and caused it to come alive. We're going to be talking about that today. Um, If you're part of a community of hope, you've gotten emails about this. You've heard about this. Melina talked about in our announcements. We're having a serving fair after church today here at the West Campus. We're doing the East Campus on the other side of town as well. And uh, here's what we're trying to do, giving everybody an opportunity to experience what Jim has experienced and how serving can help grow your faith. So that's coming up right after church today, right after this service. You don't need to sign up. You can just show up. It's easy. You'll hear more about that in just a moment. So today, here's what we're going to be doing. We're launching a brand new series for August we're calling Rooted. Everyone say that with me. Rooted. Now, the Bible often uses imagery of trees, and it says trees are like people. And uh, it talks about how, um, just like how a tree is planted by a stream of water. That's how God desires your soul to be. Uh, We're a type of church that isn't just for people who have gone to church their whole lives. We want to help interest disinterested people in Jesus. And so most people in our culture today, they're spiritual, but they're not religious. And so if that's you, maybe that's you streaming online. Let me say to you here that if you want to grow your soul, if you want to grow your spiritual life, you can really grab hold of this metaphor that the Christian scriptures talk about of learning how to be like a tree with deep roots. We're going to be talking about the next several weeks of how to grow the roots of your soul and grow your spiritual life and your connection with God and the ancient wisdom that's found 
in the Jesus movement here and in the Christian scriptures. So our theme verse that we're going to be talking about with this metaphor of rooted and how to put down deeper roots for your spiritual life comes from the book of Colossians. If you're new to our church, something that we try to do with every sermon series is we pick a theme verse to memorize together as a church because we talked all last month about the benefit of reading the Bible and how that will change your life. But this is also true for memorizing parts of the Bible that when you write it on your heart, That's a different type of spiritual discipline that grows you in unique ways. So our theme verse is going to be Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. And we're going to be putting it on the screen. Now, I'm going to be reading it because I'm working on memorizing it here at the beginning of the month. By the end, I'll have it memorized. And so here we go, 2, 6, and 7. Let's read this together here in the room and online. Ready? Go. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Great. Good job. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. I want to start by talking about a basic principle to begin our conversation today. And here's what I'm going to put forth. Bad things happen when we don't do our job. Say that with me. Bad things happen. (laughs) That was... Okay. Bad things happen... Wow, we're really struggling to do this today. That's okay. I'll just say this. I got it. Okay. Bad things happen when we don't do our job. Bad things happen when we don't do our job. Bad things happen when I don't do my job. Bad things happen when you don't do your job. Bad things happen when we don't do our job. Here's what I mean by that. So um, this is true in sports. Um, Now, I bored everybody to death waxing on about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers last week, so I'm not going to do that today. Thank God. Okay. I know. I know. I know. But this is true for, this is true of football. Football is gearing up. Big college football news with the SEC this week. Oh my goodness. I'm ready, ready for some football. Now, this is true where every person I've talked to is a football coach or played football. Again, I'm the dude who eats chicken wings while watching football. So I'm not the expert, but everyone says that in football, teams that win are teams where your position and your assignment for that play, when you do your job, don't try to do somebody else's job. Don't try to cover her for another person. You do your job and teams that win are teams that everybody in their position and their unique role, when they do their job, the team wins. When teams don't do that, when people miss their assignment, when they're confused about their assignment, those teams lose. Bad things happen when we don't do our job. Maybe you're not a sports person. Maybe you're a music person. Uh, Anybody here love Motown? Oh, yeah, right. Come on now. Now, if you are like under 20 and don't know what Motown is, go go on Spotify or go on Apple Music and find a Motown Essentials playlist and you will find some real good music, let me tell you. Now, I watched a documentary years ago about Motown and how their model of making music was so successful. And what they did uh, to show just a band playing typical Motown music, they had somebody just start playing drums. And they're not going crazy, lighting the world on fire with a drum solo. They're just in their lane playing drums. And then they add bass to it, and they're just in their lane, playing bass, not going crazy. Then they add bass, then keys, then guitar, maybe a little bit of brass, and everybody just staying in their lane and doing their job creates this beautiful Detroit symphony called Motown, which is phenomenal. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, see, now, that's, music goes great when everybody's playing their role and staying in their lane. Music gets confused and weird and wonky when everybody's all over the place. Bad things happen when we don't do our 
job. Bad things happen. We don't do our job. This is true with music. This is true with sports. This is true in workplaces. I remember one of the first places I worked, uh, right out of high school, going to college, I was a busser and a dishwasher at Chili's. Remember when everybody was eating at Chili's in the early 2000s? Remember that? I, man, let me tell you, I was the lead busser at the third busiest Chili's in the state of Florida in Tampa, and we were cranking out business left and right. And oh my goodness, if I got sidetracked by something a server asked me to do or something somebody at the back of house asked me to do, let me tell you, if you're going to turn over business in a restaurant, you better be cleaning tables. You need tables that are open. You need dishes that are clean. If you don't do your job, the whole restaurant comes to a screeching halt. Oh my gosh, it was some of the toughest work I've ever done. It was crazy. Now, Bad things happen when we don't do our job. This is true. All those things, it's true in homes. It's true with kids. Um, just the other day, I was talking to my daughter, Tessa, and it was bedtime. I said, hey, Tessa, are you doing your job? Are you brushing your teeth and have you cleaned your room? And Tessa looked at me and said, no, dad, I'm shampooing the dog. And I thought, Tessa, we don't have a dog. Oh, no. Oh, no. Bad things happen when we don't do our job, right? Bad things happen when we don't do our job. Now, Here's what I'm trying to say today. This is true in every area of life, in every area of your life online, every area of your life here. Bad things happen. We don't do our role, our assignment, our lane. It's true with the church too, that sometimes in the church, if we get confused about what our role is that God has assigned to each one of us, bad things happen and things don't work the way they totally should. This is what we're talking about today. So our passage, we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. So if you have your COH app, you can open up the sermon notes in there, or you can just follow along online. And we're in Ephesians, chapter 4, here in our first message, for Rooted. And this is what the scriptures have to say to us this morning. It says here, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Would you pray with me? So, Lord Jesus, uh, we pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would pour out grace upon everybody here, everybody streaming this online, and anybody who would download this or listen to it later online, and that you would cause our roots to grow deeper, not by our effort, but by your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right, so let's just talk for a moment about what we just read. What we like to do at our church is we like to kind of uh, uh, just explore a little bit 
the, the context of what we just read before we dive into some of the applicational truth for it today. It's just kind of what we do. So let's talk about what we just read. This was written by a guy named the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this while under house arrest from Rome. He wrote what we just read in approximately 62 AD is what scholars believe. And he wrote to the community of Christ followers, to a community of churches in a city called Ephesus, which um, if you were to find it today, it's in uh, modern day Turkey. And Ephesus, the ancient city, was a very wealthy port city that did a lot of importing and exporting. It was big for that. Now, a key component for understanding what we just read here together today is to understand the ancient city of Ephesus and how it ran, and what was important to them. And if we understand the context of the passage of what we just read, we could gain a little bit more applicational truth for our lives. So here's what you need to know about Ephesus. And this isn't just random trivia to impress your friends at lunch. This is going somewhere. Trust me, okay? Ephesus not only was a major importing and exporting city, Ephesus also had a huge economy built around the goddess of the city, their idol, their false god called Artemis. Everyone say that name, Artemis, Artemis. Now, Artemis had a huge temple in Ephesus. And so we're going to show a picture. If you went to Turkey today, here's the ruins of the temple of the goddess Artemis. Now, obviously, a false god, an idol, not a real god, but this is what they understood of that day. Here's the ruins of it. Here's what scholars think the temple of Artemis looked like with an artistic rendering. Pretty, what a beautiful structure, right? It was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Now, uh, in the economy of Ephesus, what they would do is uh, obviously did a lot of importing and exporting, but they so focused around the life of this uh, this idol that they had the life revolved around of people going to the temple, paying temple taxes, honoring this, and a huge part of it. This sounds very touristy to us, but it's not. It was key to their city was they made a lot of money in their economy by people buying and selling religious goods around the goddess Artemis. Particularly, people bought silver statues of Artemis like crazy. It was a huge part of their life. It was not a side fringe religious thing. For a post-religious, secular, uh, post-enlightenment society for us, that seems weird. In the ancient world, it was central, central. In fact, here's a picture of what some of these uh, silver statues looked like of the goddess Artemis, Okay. Now, what we read, remember the year I told you that Paul wrote it. Paul wrote it in 62 AD. Well, about seven to nine years before Paul wrote the passage we just read, um, he visited the city of Ephesus and he preached about Jesus and awesome things happened. I mean, people became followers of him. People became filled with the Holy Spirit. Miracles were breaking out everywhere Paul went Two things happened. Revival broke out, and so did a bunch of riots. Not a great outreach strategy. Sometimes when he was preaching the message of Jesus, it meant life and hope to people, and to others, it was offensive to them because he was messing with their world. And that's exactly what happened. See, we can hear about this in uh, Acts chapter 19. This is important. This is going somewhere. Acts 19, 26 through 27. This is a silversmith in Ephesus ticked off about Paul's preaching because Paul is messing not only with his goddess, he's messing with his income. Verse 26. This is the silversmith in Ephesus. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul 
has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name. Do you see it? That our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty, all because of this dashed Paul. And fast forward 2,000 years later, and nobody worships Artemis, and billions worship Jesus of Nazareth. Amen? Amen. Now, now, what in the world does this have to do with anything we're talking about today? What in the world? Paul's message deeply challenged the Ephesians and how they were approaching their religious life. And I think it has a challenge that's applicable to us in our context in Palm Beach County in America in 2021. So let's talk. What in the world does this have to do with the passage? Well, first off, um, the passage that we read, if you're new to the Bible and you hear all this language of the body and the head, what is that? It's this beautiful metaphor language that scripture uses in the New Testament to talk about um, the movement of Jesus, of Jesus's people, of building the church. Now remember, the church is not a building. This is not the church. You don't go to your house and go, look, everybody, my beautiful family. No, that's your house. That's not your family. The church is not a building. It's a people. It's not a monument. It's a movement. It's a living, breathing organism. And so when he's talking about uh, building the body of Jesus, Jesus is the head of this body. He's the leader of this body. People like Pastor Dale and myself, yes, we're stewards to, for Jesus to lead our church through us. But Dale and I would gladly stand up before all of community folk and raise our hands and go, we are not the head of the church. Jesus is the senior pastor of this church, Right. Amen. Amen. We gladly do that and offer all this up to him. It's his. It is not ours. And so Jesus is in charge of this movement. He's talking about building this movement of people, of this people gathered by his name who are stewarding the message of hope that goes out into the whole world, the message that could bring salvation, the message that brings forgiveness of sins, healing of broken hearts and lives, redemption of of just uh, brokenness in every which way possible. I really believe the hope of the world has been given to the body of Christ. See, the hope that the world really wants and needs, it's found in the people called by Jesus' name, his church. Because we're the only ones who steward the power in the world to change a human heart. Now, so Paul's talking about building this body. In verse 11, he says, we're going to put it on the screen. We read this already, but it's good to return to it. Paul says here, so Christ, the head, gave to the body the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Now, it's not important for today to dissect each one of these five different types of leaders, but there are five different types of leaders that God raises up to steward the movement of the Jesus people, of the church. Now, but why would Jesus give leaders to help lead his church? Well, verse 12, he says here, so that he gave them to equip his people 
for the works of service. If you're taking notes in your Bible, on your app, whatever, underline those words to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, there it is, may be built up. Now notice here, there's time about jobs and roles and lanes and assignments people are supposed to have. So according to the Apostle Paul, the job of pastors and leaders, just as a broad category for those types of roles, the job of pastors and leaders in the church is to equip people, to give people everything they need, the knowledge, the skills, the training, everything they need to equip people. Why? So this. So the job of the people is to build the church. So I'm going to say this very clearly one more time. The job of pastors and leaders is to equip people, is what the Apostle Paul says. And the job of the people is to then build the church through their acts of service. Remember what I said earlier, that bad things happen when we don't do our job, when we get our role confused? This is true. It happens in the church. This is not today. The, uh, this is not a finger pointing thing. Pastors and leaders are guilty of this. I've been guilty of this. We've all been guilty of this from time to time. So this is collectively a refocusing moment for all of us. Okay. What happens is in my observation as a pastor, people get the jobs confused. And we often think the job of pastors and leaders is to build the church. Not to quit people. No, their job is to build the church because pastors only work on Sunday morning, so they have a lot of time to fill, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Um, what happens in this very slight misunderstanding? What happens when we get this mixed up? When we unintentionally, accidentally mistake, well, the job of pastors and leaders and the people who work for my church, their job is to build it. Well, then what happens when we think what our job is? We'll begin to think like the people in Ephesus, where if Ephesus' economy was built upon the buying and selling and consuming of religious goods and services, we unintentionally think, well, it's their job to build this. It's my job to enjoy it. My job to consume its goods and services like everything else in the world. Let me illustrate so um, this box here represents something that was a lifesaver in the pandemic for all of us here. This little brown box with blue tape and a little swoop on it. How many of you are grateful that we went through a pandemic when Amazon existed in the world, right? I am perfectly fine to give a little bit of money to fund Jeff Bezos going into space. He got me through the pandemic for crying out loud. Um, See, we live in a membership and subscription society. This is totally how our society and our culture works. Um, I, for instance, I am a member and I subscribe to Amazon Prime. I give the money and I get the benefits of membership with Amazon, with their shipping, with their movies and their TV shows and yada, yada, yada. I'm really grateful for Amazon. I'm also a member and I subscribe to some other things. Um, I'm a member of Costco. Yeah, who loves Costco, right? So good. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I know, right? It's so good. Um, I buy all my gas there. It pays for itself, just in gas alone. Um, I buy my Christmas trees at Costco. That's the best kept secret. I shouldn't say anything. You'll, buy, you'll compete with me for Christmas trees next year. Um, I buy my bulk M&Ms at Costco. I love Costco. By the way, their pizza's really good too, right? 
right? There is. I'm hungry. Oh, great. I'm hungry now. So I'm a member of Costco. I am also a member of something I subscribe to. Um, I'm a member of the Dollar Shave Club where I get all sorts of different stuff from them and I get razors sent to me on a regular basis. And I know what some of you are thinking, like, I know, would you just use a razor on your face finally for crying out loud? I know, I know. But we use Dollar Shave Club in my house. In fact, a funny story. Uh, Pastor Dale and I actually had the same preaching professor. By the time I had him, the dude was like 93 years old. His name was Dr. Callis. And in my final preaching class with Dr. Callis, I preached a sermon he critiqued me, gave me a lot of great notes, and he said, Trevor, you know, here's some things you could work on, but you'll bless the church. Go and preach the word. Yes, Dr. Kaus, I will. I love you. And he said, well, and I have one more note for you. Yes, Dr. Kaus, what's that? Well, people of my generation used to always say that, well, you can never trust a man who hides his face. <laughs> So I'm just going to leave it at that. Like, I think I just got told I was untrustworthy by this living legend of a preacher. Oh, my goodness. I digress. So we live in a society of membership and subscriptions. Did you know, I did a little bit of research this week, that Americans, on average, during the pandemic, tripled our membership and subscriptions. Did you know that? You could probably think about it. How many of you subscribe to a new streaming service over the pandemic? Disney Plus, Peacock. Discovery Plus, HBO Max. There's all sorts of different choices. How many of you subscribe to a food or grocery delivery service during the pandemic? Like Instacart, that was a big lifesaver for a lot of people. It really was, especially if you had little kids. Oh my goodness. How many of you subscribe to a fitness or an exercise thing at home during the pandemic? We did this a lot, did we not? Right. Now, here's what I'm trying to illustrate. The society we live in is a very consumeristic society. I'm not commenting on that. I'm, you know, I'm grateful for the country you live in. I'm not here commenting on capitalism or any of that, any of that stuff. I'm not going there. But this is just culturally how we are. We become members of things and subscribe to things and get benefits for things because of our membership. And when you unintentionally get the job wrong in churches where we think pastors and leaders, their job is to build the church, and leaders do this too. If we think their job is to build the church, then I'll begin to think that my job is to treat the church like Amazon. I become a member, and I get goods and services for it. Now, what I'm not saying... What I'm not saying is that, let me say it this way. There's nothing wrong, guys, with finding a church where you like the preacher and you connect with his or her preaching style and you like that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with finding and connecting to a church where you really um, connect to the worship style. There's nothing wrong with connecting to a church where their kids' ministry offers you what you're looking for in your family stage of life. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's the only problem with it, though. If church stays like an Amazon Prime box of religious goods and services that we consume, if it only stays there for you, you will never be rooted in your faith. Your roots will never grow deep. 
And you'll never experience what your soul is really longing for. And this is the beauty of this passage where it helps clears up this misperception that we so often have all the time. Paul says, so the job of preachers and leaders is to equip people, and the job of the people is to build the church. He says we're supposed to be equipped for works of service. The way you combat consumerism to make sure that how we live out there doesn't make its way in here, the way you combat it is through service. See, we, uh, this is the only thing I want you to think differently about today. We first become rooted by our service. We become rooted by our service. See, when you serve, you grow. You're just not doing this for other people. This is one of the best kept secrets about service. It blesses you as well as the other person you're serving. My senior pastor in the church I grew up in, whenever anybody would come to his office and tell him, Pastor, I'm really struggling with depression. He would pause and say, okay, first off, I'm going to ask you to do two things. One, I want you to schedule an appointment with your doctor and tell them, let's just make sure nothing physiologically is going on um, that's affecting your depression and your mental health. We need to check with your doctor first. Let's do that. And here's the second thing. Are you volunteering anywhere? And most of the time people go, no, I'm nice. Okay. Talk to your doctor. Keep Come talk to me, but I want you to find a place to serve. Did you know for the vast majority of people, just finding a place to serve was the cure for their depression? Because it gets you thinking outside of yourself. You don't need to consume more when you're depressed. You need to lift your eyes off yourself and look to other people and give yourself away. It's the best kept secret about service. See, when we serve, we grow. And when we serve, the church of Jesus grows too. There's nothing better to give your life to than this beautiful movement that, like I said earlier, stewards the message of hope for the entire world. Where through your service, you might not only bless somebody in the moment, but through you, they might come to know love that will bless them eternally in Jesus Christ. See, when we serve, the church grows stronger it grows more united. It grows more loving. If you've ever served with your family or your small group, you know this. You end up hugging people you served with and crying with people you served with and laughing with people you served with. It grows us. It makes this stronger. It helps us reach people out there. We're rooted in service. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. And wherever they're at, backstage or wherever, I'm going to invite them to come on up. Remember how I talked at the beginning of this message about our serving fair that we're doing after church today? Here's what I want you guys to know. This is not an announcement to get people to go to the serving fair, okay? This is me doing my best job to eat. Watch it. Equip you for acts of service that will take your roots deeper with Jesus. It's really easy. If you're here in person at the West Campus, just walk outside to the porch. We couldn't make it any easier. It's cookies on the bottom shelf. If you're streaming with us online, you're one of the people who couldn't make it today, there is already an email waiting in your inbox to open up and just click a button to find a place to serve. And if you're new, we don't have your email yet, that's okay. Just go to communityofhope.church slash serve.
And you can easily find a place to do that there. Um, we really need help in two places. We desperately need more people to help in Kids of Hope. We have so many new young families come. We have kids coming out of our ears here at our church. What a great problem to have, right? It's an awesome problem to have. We need people who are willing to invest in the next generation for Jesus. We are at critically low levels with Kids of Hope. Is there anything better you could do than to invest that? That's how I came to faith in Jesus was a children's ministry volunteer. And we need help with worship and production. Um, we just really need a lot of, especially with our technical stuff, with reaching people online. We have all brand new equipment. Everything is brand new with incredible investment from our church. We just need people who are willing to point a camera and are willing to work a computer to reach thousands online for Jesus. We need help. What better investment of your time could you do? Would you just consider those things and uh, find a place to serve out there or online? Let's get rooted in service. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we worship you because you are the serving king. We love you. Lord, help us to find our place to serve. Lord, not to fulfill some utilitarian purpose, but to cause our roots to grow deeper in you. It's in your name we pray and everybody said. You know, as I'm sitting here and we're singing, we're worshiping to close out our service together, I'm imagining that some of you might be feeling a little tug, either here in this room or online, to go find your spot. And I'm here to encourage you today. That's just not me bugging you to do that. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit nudging you to step in, to find a place to serve, to find a place where you can grow, where you can grow the church, and where you can make your roots grow deeper through the grace a service. Listen to that tug. Saying yes to that might be one of the best things you ever say yes to. Amen? Amen. So we read you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.